everyone, and welcome to this episode of Comics Deserve Better. So today we're going to cover, um, there's a, lot, a decent amount of independent comics news, and then we're going to do some uh, quick reviews of different books from Boom Studios, Image, Aftershock, and then our main course this week is a, two, this was a Darcy's pick, is a 2015 Jet City Comics and Boom Studios co-production, Suffragitsu, Mrs. Pankhurst, Amazon. This is a historical fiction comic. So yeah, if you like history, um, this might actually be the episode for you. But um, before we get into this episode, um, we would like to, um, we would like to remember um, the life of actor Chadwick Boseman. You may know him from the Black Panther movies, 42, Marshall, um, The Five Bloods recently came out, the new Spike Lee movie. He plays yeah, a beast combat. And yeah, he he uh, passed away from cancer this past weekend. And I, th I know he meant a lot to just people in general around the world, not just you know, comics fans, but people who just, I don't know, I guess engaged in film, engaged in pop culture, engaged in American culture. So um, Darcy, do you have anything? What's your favorite Chadwick Boseman movie? Do you have anything to, to add? Or? Uh, yeah, uh, I definitely. 42 is my favorite Chadwick Boseman movie. I'm a gigantic baseball fan. And that one, obviously, if you're a baseball fan, that probably means a lot to you. Jackie Robinson's, of course, incredibly important. That whole period's incredibly important. He was fantastic. And I can't imagine anyone doing a better job than he did. He really encompassed the role really well. Uh, Jackie Robinson's family obviously said he did a really great job because he did so that that movie is definitely what I remember him by more than probably anything else despite my love of comics and despite him just being absolutely amazing in Black Panther uh, the first thing I went back to watch was um, you know 42 so yeah it's it's really sad it's I, I was in Thailand when um, the Black Panther came out and that was really cool because, I mean, obviously, watching movies with non-white characters in them in a country that is um, predominantly not white, and by predominantly, I mean incredibly not white, uh, but also incredibly not black was very interesting. Watching it with little kids was very fascinating because it was just an incredibly different character with incredibly different settings and kids just loved it so much being in that theater with with that character and that setting and those kids were <laughs> oh god it was just a really incredible experience and i just it was unexpected to see that he died and yeah i <laughs> It's definitely going to be missed. Definitely going to be missed. Yeah, yeah. 42 was the first thing I, I saw, man. I remember I was, it was an empty theater one summer. Honestly, like the worst summer of my life. And it was, it was a great, it was a great biopic. And he, he just, it was awesome. He, he, you know, he made each of his roles count. And mm -hmm. he played James Brown so well. And Thurgood yes, Marshall. Did. And he just slipped into each role and made them iconic. He, he, he had like, he had real, just real movie star energy. And 
and then yeah, and it's just yeah, com just completely blindsided me. I mean, it was just like, uh. um, Brian, do you, do you have a favorite um, Chadwick Boseman movie? Anything to share? Um, well, um, I definitely am I'm a huge Black Panther fan, and and every every movie, every MCU movie that he was in, he elevated to a different level, and um, as well as I mean. If you just look at his, you guys kind of just just talked about it right now. If you look at his acting career, James Brown, Jackie Robinson, and King T'Challa. I mean, iconic. I mean, just absolutely uplifting. He just killed every single one of those roles. I mean, just, I mean, fantastic. You know, person on and off the screen. I mean, the fact that he was visiting. Um, kids with cancer, their you know their hospital beds, and secretly fighting cancer himself. I mean, and and playing a part of you know that he plays in, in a movie to uplift these kids is just absolutely outstanding and out, and just amazing of a person that would do that. And so I just you know huge huge loss. I mean. Um, for for me, what I it's it's kind of funny um, about mentioning a, a, a very special uh, moment, like watching the the Black Panther movie for the first time. Um, I was actually myself was also living abroad, not not out of the country though, but I was living in Houston out of the time, a California boy in Houston, and I was the only white person in the theater, and it was packed, and it was an experience and it was just just jaw dropping and just like the fact that you know these these little kids are seeing a strong powerful character that looks like them you know on the screen and showing that that you know that you can be anything you want to be you know just it's just amazing Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people just rewatched Black Panther this weekend, and it's just, it's so wonderful, and and definitely, definitely go seek out um, Ryan Coogler's tribute to Chadwick Boseman. It's really good. I think it's on, it's on a bunch of LA Times, Hollywood Reporter, and it's so cool. And like, I just, I like, I felt like I learned so much about him. Like, he was um, classmates with Tony Hesey Coates at, at Howard, and he, you know, wanted to be a, a a director. That's what he went to school for, and he had this like theater acting background, which makes it really interesting that his his final posthumous role is an adaptation of a Goose Wilson play. Um, so yeah, definitely go go and seek out those tributes. I think Michael B. Jordan just did one today as well, and just shared some some photos uh, because because yeah, they they, they had that relationship. They were both in the same like soap opera um, back when they were starting their careers. So yeah, um, yeah, he's he's definitely he's a hero to all of us. He will be missed and. I think I'm honestly still in the denial stage right now, and yeah, and wow, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really hard talking about comics after this. So yeah, just a little bit, yeah. I, I, I know it's corny, but Wakanda forever. Yeah. Oh yeah, Wakanda forever. Yeah, for sure. Huge tonal whiplash. So this past week, um, you may have seen it. It was kind of splattered all across social media in comics and animation circles. But um, so Shira, big show on Netflix. Seen a few episodes. Um, 
The showrunner is Noelle Stevenson, who, who's done a bunch of good comics. She co-created Lumberjanes. She did Nimona. She, um, she recently came up with a graphic memoir about her life, a graphic autobiography. So yeah, she did, you know, your typical fan stream. A lot of shows have been doing it uh, during the pandemic. And in this show, she basically said that the name of one of the characters in She-Ra. And I know Darcy's a big She-Ra fan, so you might want to, can kind of maybe fill in some of the gaps. But he, he, his, he was ba one of his siblings, and the character's name is Bo. And one of his character, his siblings, it was basically like an inside joke for, for slavery. Um, so like sowing a field. And yeah. she just straight up, I, I listened to the, I listened to that part of the stream. I didn't listen to the whole stream. Um, but I listened to yeah. the kind of context around that stream and it was just like, wow, really? Like, and she tried to make it better by posting like, oh, and it was an inside joke and these were the pictures for it. And the pictures of the character of the were really, but it didn't make it better at all. Oh, it was bad. Yeah. yeah. It was bad. Yeah. I mean, she, like, like, yeah, lots of just stereotyping and, and then mm. it, it led to a lot of conversation on Twitter. Um, there's, there was a really good thread from uh, DJ Kirkland. He's a really talented artist. He did the book Black Mage for Oni Press. And I think he's done some animation. And he, he's also done the um, Gretzko comic for Oni. If you want more animation. Yeah. Had a really good thread about it. And also, thread, like, there are bunches of threads going around saying, like, hey, maybe yeah. well, a lot of people are like, oh, they needed like, one black writer in the room. And I'm like, you need more. I think, I think there is a rule. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne McDuffie, a long time ago, he said basically like, if you have one or two black writers or one or two you know black characters on a superhero team, they're like token. But once you get to three, like that's representation. It's like you're hearing your voice. Mm -hmm. So something like that. But yeah, it was it was really bad. And I mean, she did. Unlike you know, and we talked about Kate Leth a few weeks ago. She actually did apologize on Twitter. I'll give her kudos for that. But it's still just like wow like like and and it can it kind of show it shows that like just because you're a member of the lgbtq community means you're not immune from rape from being racist and i mean yeah the the apology was definitely nice but there was some you know there was some people around like oh but she's a minority too and it's like just because you're a minority in one way doesn't mean you can't screw up in another way like you have to be inclusive there's a reason we have that word intersectionality right it's exactly. like you have to understand that there are more than one ways to be an asshole and this is kind of a way you were not acknowledging the fact that people you know have issues on another side of it that was a kind of terrible thing to i i just like when i saw that picture i was sitting here going how could you think that was okay like mm -hmm. that was such a stereotyped like how is that a joke how is that funny i don't understand how somebody could how how that got as far as it got how did that get to a fan stream how, oh my gosh i just don't even know it was embarrassing for me and I wasn't in the room. I wasn't in the stream. I was just reading a tweet and I'm going, what is this? I, th I think it's just embarrassing too, because like if you're a fan of their work and it's like, wow, like this is who I'm a fan of, you know I mean? And the fact that, you know, people were saying that she, she, you know, she's a minority herself. It's like, well, 
you know, then you understand the oppression right. and you understand that this isn't cool because if someone did the same thing about about what you are, would you like that? No, not at all. So it's just, come on. I mean, yeah, I'm, I, I know I'm a, I'm a huge fan and I, I know you are too, Darcy and, and Logan as well. And it's just, this one definitely hit pretty hard as well because because I mean lumberjanes, I have a lot of nieces um, that are young that are that you know between the ages of like six and thirteen, and that's what I always push on them is just read lumberjanes, read lumberjanes. You know, like buy, I'm buying you all the graphic novels right now. You know, because it's such a great book and it's such a great book for 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 young women, even young young men as well. Just um, you know, anybody at all. You know, so it's just And it kind of hard. goes back to the thing we said about Kate Leth. What was that last week or two weeks ago? Yeah. Where you had that whole um, Hellcat thing where it looked like, oh, this is safe, right? You had this person who looked fairly safe from the outside because you had inclusivity. Mm-hmm. You had a story that felt inclusive. That's kind of how Lumberjanes feels. It feels you know, but behind the scenes, something's a little bit fishy there. Well, well guess who did the the, uh, the original badges for Lumberjanes? I don't want to hear it. Kate left. Kate left did it. Yeah. And, there, yeah. and, then, and then this actually made me reevaluate everything. And, and I didn't notice that there's not a lot of black characters in no, Lumberjanes. you're right. There's, there's one main character who is, but... Um, mm. That's about it. Yeah, that one camp mm-hmm. counselor, I think. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm way behind on Lumberjanes. So. Um, but yeah, and, and, and once again, I mean, this 2020 sucks. And mm-hmm. once again, uh, you know, we're talking about this about safe places and Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling. Oh, yeah. What the hell's that as well? I mean, well, she's always been awful. Yeah, but I mean, just it just comes out <laughs> this yeah. year, like, like on a major scale. It's just ridiculous. But again, revelatory. Now we know. So yeah. that's something. Exactly. They're revealing themselves to us in this yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. But that's one thing like that's Logan one. said, at least she apologized. She can yes. learn something from it yeah, and hopefully I, I think, become yeah. better. Yeah, I think she, she, I mean, she, I think she handled it pretty well um, compared to some other folks we've talked about. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, she can just, you know, use this time to, to learn and listen. And I don't know, maybe, maybe next animated show have a more diverse writer's room, but who knows? All right, cool. So moving on to some actual fun news. This is, this is actual some fun news. So Brian, we had some stuff going on, a couple things with Dark Horse. What's going on over there? Uh, well, and like a lot of good charity stuff is, it, you know, the, let's, let's kind of change the, uh, the mood here in the room <laughs> and uh, talk about giving so, <laughs> a little bit. Um, Mike <laughs> Mignola, um, Hellboy creator, um, he is, he created a sketchbook of, uh, various things that he's been doing through the quarantine, um, very prolific artist, and he's actually, um, going to be selling it for charity. And, uh, most of the proceeds, I believe maybe all of them will be going, uh, to, um, a place like the World Central Kitchen and, um, as actually, I think that's the main place where where everything is going to. So, I mean, that's all profits go to, to Chef Jose Andres's World Central Kitchen. So, 
that's a great cause. I mean, it's, yeah, that's a good charity. Uh, fe- yeah. Feeds feeds people that need food. You know, I love food, so I can definitely. <laughs> am definitely, very happy. yes. <laughs> yes, so, to do that. So, very, seconded. Definitely, and those sketches are so cool. Like, just he was doing Pokemon. He was doing Flintstones characters, just way out of his wheelhouse. So I think, I think it'll it'll do really well. Well, sells. I think a lot of people were on because it was on mostly on Instagram. People were like, "When are you going to collect this in a book?" And then he's just like, "The market's okay. there," and then he's doing good with it. So kudos like, to I, Mr. Mignola. He's like, "I don't need money." <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. "Here you go." That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's, yeah. And then the other piece of news from uh, Dark Horse. Oh yeah, um, actually, uh, Dark Horse is teaming up with Amazon, uh, who owns Comicsology, everyone's favorite digital comics uh, distributor. I mean, the only um, one, except for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. The only <laughs> um, one. Kind much. of graphite, graphite, graphite. Yeah. I, I was kind of saying that tongue in cheek as well. You know, like favorite because you know it's a major one. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, the um, they are actually teaming up with Comicsology to take the Comixology originals, which were, have only been available on Comixology. How many times do I get to say Comixology? And um, they're going <laughs> to be printing them um, and, uh, and sell, sending them to uh, comic book shops for people to get hard, hard copy versions of these great stories. It's all about getting these- Physical copies. Yeah, and getting these small writers and artists, getting them out and people, people to know who they are. Um, there's one book actually I think we might be covering um, that uh, I've started reading um, that just came out which is Johnny Christmas um, and it's oh that's the writer and um, the the book is Crema and it looks and I've read a few pages and it's already floored me I like it a lot so I'm hoping that's one of the books that it's going to get printed soon last time I had Comicsology Unlimited, which was, oh God, before COVID, so, you know, 18 years ago, I went through a ton of Comicsology originals and loved, like, several of them, but, you know, my brain is terrible, so I can't remember what any of them are called, but so many of them are really actually quite good and are definitely worth a look in if you, you know, want to do Unlimited, which is only, like, five dollars. It's worth a month, you know, it's worth, and I think you get your first month free, so it's worth a free month. <laughs> I, I, it's worth I, a checkout. Exactly, and, and and if you are a Prime member, like I think you get unlimited for free. I, I'm yeah, pretty sure. Probably. Yeah, it's correct. Um, yep. Yeah, and then I know it's not. He's not a, a small writer by no means, but like Chip Zdarsky got won a Eisner Award uh, with his series from last year uh, yeah, called Afterlift. After so. Yeah. yeah, there's good quality stuff here. Yeah, I've read, I mean, I think during the, during COVID when there weren't a lot of like the big companies or any of the companies really putting out books, I, I read a few of them. I read um, Youth, Kurt, uh, Kurt Pyre's Youth. Okay. And, it's, yeah. it's, and then I think that's getting made into Amazon show and that's, it was, it's one of the launch titles. And then Lost on Planet Earth, um, Mags of Saggio and I think Claudia Aguirre, um, the uh, Kim and Kim creative team kind of teaming up um, on a kind of kind of riff on Star Trek, so there's there's a lot of it's it's good, and it'll be nice to see them in the hard copies, and for sure. And then I had one last kind of addendum to the Dark Horse stuff. Just announced today, uh, Jeff Darrow's Shaolin Cowboy will be collected into paperbacks. So Jeff Darrow is an awesome artist. He did um, 
he did a lot of storyboards to the Matrix movies. He's done a lot of collaborations with the Wachowski sisters. So, so it'll be cool to see, to get his, um, Shaw and Cowboy has been kind of hard to find. We get to get it in kind of a more affordable volume. So, and the art's amazing. It's just like yeah. detail, violence, just, I mean, like you just like soak in those pages. So I'm, I'm excited. I'll have more, what, more access to it. It's one of those comics that I want to rip every page out and like wallpaper my room with his art. <laughs> You know, yeah. Just... Oh yeah, he's he's awesome for sure. Cool. All right, and then I think I think we're just gonna skip over to the Harvey Awards. Mm-hmm. So today the Harvey Awards were announced, and there's a lot of independent books were um, nominated. And I'm just gonna there aren't that many nominees, so I'm just gonna go and just highlight all the indies. So for Book of the Year, we got Tilly Walden's Are You Listening? Yes. Um, Jane Lewin Yang's Dragon Hoops. Grass by Kum Suk, uh, Gendry Kim, The Hard Tomorrow by Eleanor Davis, um, Invisible Kingdom by G. Willow Wilson and Christian Ward, yeah. Little Little Bird by Darcy Van Polgis and Ian Bertram from Image, nice. Making nice. Comics by Linda Berry from Drawn and Quarterly, Reincarnation Stories by Kim Deitch from Fanagraphics, Rusty mm-hmm. Brown by Chris Ware from Pantheon, big name creator, and yeah. Something is Killing the Children by James Tinney and the Fourth. And Werther Deladera from Boom. So book of the year, it's all all indie, like an all indie lineup, which is pretty awesome. Take that DC, take that Marvel. Yeah. So and then and the the Harveys only uh, professionals can vote on them. So just a little little tidbit. And then there's also we were talking about digital comics. And there's digital book of the year. So we got after, as we mentioned earlier, Afterlift by Chip Zdarsky and Jason Liu. And then we've got three web comics, The Eyes by Javi DeCastro, Fried Rice comic by Erica Ng, and The Nib. Fried Rice is so good. Edited by Matt Boers, and I love The Nib. The Nib is like, I get it in my inbox every day, and I, I read it every yeah, day. Yeah, The Nib's good. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll mention the mainstream book in there, Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Red, which, it's a mainstream book, but it's a really good anthology series. Yeah. It has an indie feel to it, too, so. Yeah, because, <laughs> like, I think the, yeah, so, like, the last, the last issue, I think, that came out, um, Danny from Coffin Bound wrote and drew it, so. Nice. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's kind of like that. It kind of hits that kind of sweet spot between mainstream and indie. So, mm-hmm. all right. And then, best children or YA book we have, almost American Girl, and an illustrated memoir by Robin Ha. We have Dragon Hoops again, Guts by Raina Telgemeier, Stargazing by the Great Jin Wang, and then Superman Slashes the Clan by Jean Luen Yang and Guri. Yes. I think we might personal stake. break a rule one day and do that book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jean Louis Yang is just kind of cleaning up. And then let's see, the Harvey Harvey also has a best adaptation from comic book graphic novel. And there's actually a lot of indie ones here. We've got uh, the Black Sod video game. It's a dark horse mm-hmm. book. It's a it's a, a European comic. And That's detective. Yeah, and then we have I am not okay with this, which is based on the Fanagraphics comic by. Chuck Forsman, if you saw Into the Fucking World, he also did that one too. So he's like this indie cartoonist who just keeps racking up Netflix shows. And we have Joker and Legion, and then Lock and Key season one, another independent comic. Um, The Old Guard, independent comic, we mentioned it, uh, second episode, so go back and listen to that. Uh, Sandman, Vertigo. Never heard Uh, of it. Stumptown season one, creator-owned comic from, from Greg Rucka. And then um, Umbrella Academy season two, create your own comic, Gerard Way and Gabriel Ba, and then Watchmen. 
So even even in the adaptations, there's a lot of um, indie books, and it kind of shows how how much that has permeated pop culture. And then we have best manga. So we have H.P. Lovecraft's At Mountains of Madness by Gu Tanabe. It's really good. I hope it wins. Maybe I don't know. Um, and then we have The Man Without Talent by Yoshiharu Suje, The Poe Clan by Moto Hajio from Fanagraphics, The Way of the House Husband by Kusuke Uno from Biz Media. I, I've seen this one mentioned a lot. I think it was. I won the Eisner. And then Witch Hat Atelier by Kamome Shirahama from Kodansha. So lots of good manga. And then there's also a category for best international books. So it used to be European book, but now they have opened a, to be more inclusive. They have opened a category to other countries. So we have, again, Grass is in there. And then The House by Paco Roca. Uh, Portrait of a Drunk by Olivier Schrauen, Florent Rupert and Jerome Moulot from Fanagraphics, um, Stay by Louis Trontin and Hubert Cheviard from Magnetic Press, and Near the Rabbit by Tian Viazna from Drawing Quarterly. So basically, the Harveys are awesome. They're basically all indie comics. Um, so I'm excited to see the awards. Yeah, it was a good list. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, I don't know, it's like a, it's a good, it's a good like reading list. And, and I like that the awards are a little more self-contained. So you like, I don't know, you can kind of focus on them more. Yeah, so, definitely. I agree. All right, I'm gonna, just one quick thing. So what, what do you guys want to win best adaptation? I'm just really curious. Um, Joker, no, I'm joking. <laughs> Please <laughs> just, do not. You're fine. Um, <laughs> well, I've- I didn't do most of the adaptations i think the only yeah. one i saw was watchmen so watchmen which was good <laughs> which yeah, was good I, I mean it was great yeah I, but i i can't really compare to the rest of them yeah. it's okay it's it's fine it's still totally fine i love i've watched the first two seasons of legion and i loved it i haven't watched the third season but um i have a um i i need to listen to the sandman um Audio, audio drama oh I, yeah and um it's it's definitely on my soon to listen to list and i need to do it soon <laughs> so yeah, you know I, um, audible uh, audio dramas are really yeah. good but they're such a pain in the butt to pay for yeah exactly and I'm, I'm the, the same boat too for sure that's the one thing that's kept me from doing it it's it is it's kind of difficult to get through get the money and but um i definitely um i have a feeling that's gonna be number one in my book once i Probably. once i listen to it yeah. um but um you know um lock and key season one was excellent you know even though it kind of went away from the uh from the the comic a little bit but you expect that because it's a different medium so yeah. it's still pretty good for sure yeah i i have similar thoughts about umbrella academy so that's, that's what i would pick for sure oh, season nice two. i it haven't just... watched any of it yet so yeah it just I my mean, mom liked it nice <laughs> yeah like it just i don't know it, it added like added a whole element with the civil rights movement and um yeah just did a, did a really good job and I, I like and leaned more into the weirdness of the comic which was probably my number one quibble of season one because like the umbrella academy comic like opens with him like fighting a sentient uh, statue of liberty and you didn't really get i used to call like i called season one like normie umbrella academy but i feel like season two leaned more into that weirdness so like it, 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 it gets my vote cool 
All right, so then we're gonna move on to our quick hits. So these are just oh. books that um, have come out recently or in my case in the future, but who cares, um, that we liked. So Brian, what is your quick hit this week? Uh, Ghosted in LA, uh, number 12, um, Sina Grace, uh, Siobhan Keenan, um, share the art duties, uh, Sina Grace wrote the whole thing, um, Boom Studios. It's um, it's the last issue of the, uh, the I'm hoping the first volume of this uh, wonderful book about um, a young lady who uh, travels to LA to go to college and ends up staying at a haunted mansion in uh, that and befriends the ghost there essentially <laughs> and um, and then kind of um, dealing with college life um, there's um, there's a, there's a few LGBTQ characters that are that are just kind of discovering or coming out of the closet and and that that journey there is also pretty fantastic to read um and 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 then there's a little bit of horror to it because there are ghosts but it's definitely not a horror comic um and you know it's it's wonderfully drawn wonderfully paced um the back matter if you can get single issues i recommend um because i'm not sure if the trades have the back matter in it but uh um, even if you don't live in LA, Cena Grace just kind of goes through what his favorite places in LA are, and it's just fun. To, even if you, don't, you can't visit them, you know, maybe you'll make a, a a trip to LA one day and and check them out, or even just hearing somebody who's really uh, you know really enthusiastic about what they like talk about what they like. You know, it's it's fun, always yeah. fun to listen to that. Yeah, because I, I I read uh, I think I read about the first arc of. Go sit in LA. Definitely want to catch it up. Catch up on it. Yeah, amazing art. But I remember one like he just had like a Spotify playlist of like LA based like goth bands. And, like, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's that's something you just have to go on Spotify. You don't have to or YouTube or whatever. Exactly, and he's got best like Mexican food places and best uh, yeah. you know obviously comic book shops, record shops. So it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's 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 a good series, and I'm glad he, he got twelve issues out of it for sure. Yes. Awesome, and so, they, they leave they leave it open for another volume. So that, that's it. That's that's good. But but there but there is like a a good conclusion, definitive closure. So if there okay, never good. happens, it that's fine. <laughs> that's awesome, Mario. That's 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 what you want. And I think I feel like come on, twelve issues was good enough for Watchmen. I mean, I yeah. think it, yeah, we're, it's <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh. And the comic that was inside the comic in Ghost in L.A. wasn't was a lot better than the comic inside the comic and what watch no, I'm just there was I'm like there was I'm like <laughs> I'm like fire. Oh man. Uh Darcy, what's your uh, quick hit this week? Uh I want to talk about Winter Parting by Sam Beck. Um it is a just single one-shot self-published comic about a uh forest essentially that falls in love with a person a boy and then a man as he kind of grows up he kind of we see it all from the forest point of view and occasionally the boy and then young man and then older man will just kind of come into the forest and he's obviously kind of running away from home and the forest is a place where he feels safe and over time kind of the forest trusts the man 
and they fall in love and it's just this love story with occasional moments of tension and conflict with the outside world and separation and coming together and it's just this really beautiful book with this lovely fantastical gorgeous art beautiful colors um i think it's very obvious by now i don't like words in books apparently it doesn't have a whole lot of language um it's mostly told through movement um and pictures which you know it's a comic it should be told through pictures um and it's very sweet very gorgeous very sad in places uh, but it's a wonderful story and very wonderfully told and so it's well, well worth a look in you can buy it from Sam Beck has a website and I'll post that on her Twitter you can buy it directly from her website that's awesome sounds very it sounds very kind of Pixar short film like the the intro it is it's kind of a more kind of I don't want to say like adult sexy adult but it's a more mature uh, Pixar short film yeah nice kind of, honestly kind I, could, of, I could use it in my life yeah kind of like a fantasy version of Wally with forests yeah kind cool. of like that I like that I like that yeah cool that, that sounds like a cool book you always um, pick like the best books <laughs> I want to check this out so bad now this one actually wasn't me uh, we we're all kind of together in a comic book group yes. and uh, Laura uh, Lori I can't I'm not actually sure how she pronounces her name she actually recommended it to me she's she picks the best book Ooh, she's oh yes absolutely <laughs> I actually yeah, I know she, her she recommended this one and she's, I know she's her know, uh, I know Sam Beck she she's doing this um this uh book about like life in the like the e esports world like a queer queer take on that called a uh, renegade rule um, that is came, awesome yeah it was I'm doing it or it's done uh, well, okay, so full disclosure, um, the writer, I actually am friends with both the writers, um, Ben Kahn and Rachel Silverstein, and they mm. dropped kind of like a single issue at FlameCon a couple years ago, but then it mm. got picked up by Dark Horse, so it'll be out in 2021. Mm. So if mm. you like Sam Beck's art, there's going to be a whole, any like video games, there's going to be a whole graphic novel Seriously? next year. Oh. Dark Horse, just I like need a, it. a volume, so That's it's so awesome, exciting. and I honestly want to cover it on the show and especially if you know you're into like the overwatch type yes. games i'm sorry i sound like a boomer well, but i'm not uh, but yes i'm yeah. into i'm uh, into esports i love esports so yeah. i am here for that sam Beck's art is amazing because i'm like Just i'm like, like that name sounds so, seen it, so familiar i'm like i like know that name i'm like i'm like it's on the tip uh, of my tongue but yeah cool yeah I'm a Roadhog main in Overwatch. So <laughs> All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut that out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. I'm kidding. Oh. It's, Sam Beck also has a webcomic. If you don't want to pay the money for a comic comic, which you should. But I, yes. again, I No, you should. Renegade Rule is awesome. I mean, I'm incredibly, yeah. full disclosure, I'm incredibly biased, but it's, it's an awesome book for sure. <laughs> like queer romance and video games. Like, like can yes, you get yes. better than that? Like, come on. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Your oh. queer romance with a forest. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, All right. All right. For you, for you nature lovers out there. So my so my quick hit this week. It actually hasn't come out yet, but I had to I had to hype up this book. It's uh, Department of Truth by it's from Image Comics, written by James Tinney and the Fourth. I mean, he's on Batman. He's done a bunch of comics and art by Martin Simmons. He probably his biggest book to this point has been the Punk's Not Dead series for IDW. Which and he great. also drew a really good 
villain issue of Immortal Hulk. And so basically Department of Truth is just straight up conspiracy theories. That's, that's it. Like it opens with, you know, JFK, Grassy Knoll, and then it kind of moves on to the, the modern world of our QAnon and all the craziness that entails, like people taking this shit way too seriously. And it's so scary, but it, it definitely tap like Tenian taps into that. And the art by Martin Simmons is amazing. It's, it's, it reminds me a lot of uh, Bill Sienkiewicz's work and also uh, Ralph Steadman, who did a lot of the illustrations in Hunter S. Thompson's books, like uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So it has that kind of, and, and one thing I liked about the first issue is it starts super fuzzy and it just gets clearer and clearer. So, you know, you think the moon landing uh, conspiracy theories, like the, like the fuzzy, like, like Stanley Kubrick, you know, shot the moon landing, like that conspiracy theory. But then at the end, it's just like full, full truth. And then, yeah, I read the first two issues. And then, then once you get to the second issue, like it's just like pure horror. So yeah, it's definitely, it's James Tenian tapping into his kind of world building side, um, which you may have seen in some of his books, like, Mimet, like the Mimetic trilogy, those like single volume from Boom, like those mm -hmm. dystopians where he, they, they, him and Eric Donovan, like come up with a new way to end the world every time. It's like that, but just, kind of more sprawled out like he is more more and it actually has a good mystery like a lot of these like books they'll say they have a good mystery but department of truth actually has a good mystery and the first issue like way more questions and answers which is what you want like that's what you want from an ongoing comic like you don't yeah like what the yeah like, so i'm i'm excited and it doesn't come out till the end of next month but definitely check it out for sure it's good did you say tinian did an issue for Immortal Hulk? Martin Simmons drew an issue of Immortal Hulk. Oh, okay. Martin Simmons. I was like, did. when yeah. did I miss that? Okay. No, no, I was just thinking. Moving like, on. <laughs> yeah, but his style, like his style for uh, for Punk's Not Dead was very kind of early Vertigo painter. Yes. This is him just, him just, I don't know, channeling, like, like if you like, like definite like Electra Assassin vibes for sure. Like it's, it's cool, but. I'm a huge um, Joe Strummer fan, and he, there's a page in in, uh, in Punk's Not Dead that he draws a wonderful portrait of Joe Strummer in all his glory, and it's just like jaw dropping. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, his skill at doing like likenesses of famous people or people who kind of look like famous people, like caricatures and stuff, definitely comes in handy in this book for sure. So, because there, are, I mean, there are people you may you know, and then there's people who are like, yeah, this is like one away from being like certain i can't say too much about the book because it's not out yet but um yeah i did do an advanced review of it so yeah definitely check it out in september so speaking of history our main course this week is an his, uh, alternate history comic called suffragitsu mrs pankhurst amazons and it's written by tony wolf with art by uh, yoel vieira um, colors by hosan gonzalez and letters by ed dukesher this was darcy's pick so Darcy, it kind of introduced this comic to our, our listeners. Okay, so this is, I like it because it's a history comic. It is a three issue, so very short comic. That's for the most part about the history of this uh, very specific part of the suffragist movement in uh, England in the early 19th century, specifically around the Pankhursts, which were, there are four of them technically. Emmeline, Christabel, Sylvia, 
and ooh, I'm going to forget the youngest daughter. It's not Adele. It's Adela. Adela, yes. And um, Emmeline is the mother. Christabel is the oldest daughter. And they were kind of racist. And I kind of like that this comic doesn't let that go. Mm -mm. And so the comic goes into this um, votes for women, primary uh, women's rights movement, which included the oldest two Pankhursts and their Amazons, which were the bodyguard unit for the Pankhursts for the most part, though they did kind of work just for uh, the protests in general. They took, they acted in riots. Like anyone who tries to tell you that the women's movement wasn't a violent movement is a liar because <laughs> they kind of were, especially in England, they kind of had to be, they fought. Um, and they fought using a method called um, well, they used jujitsu, which was often referred to as suffragitsu. Um, and this was taught in, they taught it in kind of schools in like they would teach any kind of martial art. And so for the most part, this comic, especially for like the first two issues, this comic sticks fairly close to history. The stuff with Emmeline and Christabel is pretty accurate. Uh, they throw in a lot of kind of original characters, but what goes on with those two characters is pretty accurate. They leave out the younger two daughters because, well, the family kind of left out the younger two daughters. One of them got shipped off to Australia. Like, mm -hmm. They're communists. Who cares? The older two were the only ones that were really part of the British movement. And so I liked it because of that. The third issue throws in this fantastical, like... <laughs> crazy element to it which is kind of fun and we can talk about that and then you end with this adding back in the real historical element of world war one happening and the feminist movement being part of the white feathers movement which was this movement to shame men into joining world war one which was awful mm -hmm. <laughs> and a thing that the feminist movement actually did at the time which was legitimately kind of terrible um, not kind of, I don't know why I said kind of, like it maybe wasn't, it was actually terrible. Yes, it was. Uh, and that's kind of the breadth of the story, except for that one little fantastical element, which we can talk about together. And mm -hmm. I like it overall. It's not the best comic by any stretch of the imagination. It's kind of ridiculous. But as a history comic, I think it's very interesting because there is so much in it that's actually like just the history. And then there's this one little part kind of in issue three that's completely and utterly ridiculous. And so I think it's a really interesting way to tell a history comic. I've not really seen anything like it. And I didn't know about the jujitsu thing before I read it. Yeah, Bar Bar Tetsu. Yeah, well, I think, honestly, like, this book goes into alternate history mode as soon as Pankhurst is assassinated, and you, you know it's, it's going to be yeah. different. Like, yes. And, and it's, it's definitely very, it's, I think what this book is doing, it's like setting up an alternate way that World War I started. Instead yes. of um, Franz Ferdinand, you get this kind of rival band, it's like this kind of I don't know. I got, I got some, I, I really enjoyed it. I got a lot of um, kind of Anno Dracula. I've mentioned this in a previous podcast. It's a uh, alternate universe where uh, Dracula becomes the 
the king of England, like the power behind, ends up being the king of England, and it just mm-hmm. completely fucks everything up. And also a little bit of a little bit of Graham Morrison's Invisibles, just having these like rival battling kind of thing. Yeah, um, L- little secret societies. Yeah, but but less, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, a, I mean, not, it's not as good as Invisibles, but whatever. Not, not a lot of things are. But I like, no, yeah, I like no. the bad guy in this. If you want to talk about like. Like, was, I, I looked uh, this guy up. Yeah, he's a real person. Yeah, Jorg Lanz von Liebenfels. <laughs> he, he was too racist for Hitler. He was too extreme yeah. for Hitler. And so when I was reading this, I was like, oh my God, like, like this character is so fake. Because, like, I hadn't heard of him before. And then, like, I look him up, I'm like, oh God, this is real. And this is terrible. <laughs> like, I cannot believe how absolutely insane this person was mm-hmm. yeah i mean he, he his like views are straight out of like red skull like he, he connecting atlantis with white race and mm-hmm. it's just like oh this is crazy he probably is the red skull like he probably, <laughs> he probably is what the red skull is based on almost i would almost right. say and then i mean yeah and then there's like a castle which like actual castle like it's crazy yes. yeah did they know about him in the 40s like, did the Americans know about him in the 40s? Yeah. Could he be what the Red Skull is based on? There might be a chance. I mean, the, 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 yeah, well, because Hitler always, I mean, Hitler always said that, oh, yeah, I mean, he was still alive. He didn't die until 19. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was um, alive, but like. Yeah. May, I mean, maybe. Well, because Hitler. And also, Hitler always had that occult side. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, that, that it's shown up in. I think it, it shows more up more in like the, the pop culture side of things thanks to things mm-hmm. like like Indiana Jones and the Wolfenstein game. Mm-hmm. Hellboy. And, and yeah. yeah, but that was made that was made, you know, in the eighties when people knew more about the you know, we yeah. learned more about that in the forties. Right. They didn't have much much information about what was yeah. going on over that's, there. That's true. Yeah, that's she that's that's something to look into for sure. Definitely yeah. se- definitely is it was in the air, like even if it wasn't directly related to him. Yeah. It's, definitely huh. was the but, but it's but it's wild how like how like i mean this stuff like i forget what they call it, like racial hygiene like the eugenic yeah. stuff pops the up eugenic pretty, stuff of it. pretty early on and, and it's just like and it, and it just like from a, a modern perspective it's really hard to like a lot of the like the main character but the, but i do like that like i love that scene with flossie and persephone who's the main character mm-hmm. of the, yeah like when they're basically just kind of critiquing Emily and Pankhurst and they specifically yeah they specifically say that like, these people are not the best people in the world but they're on our side right now so when I read it the first time which was a couple of years ago I kind of felt awkward about like Flossie and Persephone because I was like do these characters even really fit because I you know you kind of know now that you know back then they were racist and it was just you know votes for white women kind yeah. of thing but it wasn't until i read more about the pankhurst that pankhurst that i realized that you know the youngest two daughters were legitimately votes for everybody equality for everyone so it was like these women probably did exist in some form like they weren't completely impossible women like these could have been her younger daughters or women like that. So I felt better about them in this read through than I had in previous read throughs. Well, definitely. And, um, and then, and the, the dealing with, with the race, I mean, the first vibe I got, um, 
you know, like was like there there is a lot of of talk about race relations and and racial segregation and everything. But then you look at the the main characters and they're really there's only one person in the the Amazons that that is of color and but I understand at the same time too that that's because of the era as well as I'm sure that the Pankhurst might have not wanted many no. people of color in that group probably not well yeah, yeah it was a big deal that they had the that like badass German lady because 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 yeah. yeah once she yeah I know like the the ending it's they like they had to kick her out I know it's yeah. like the, it's just like you get to the ending and it's like she's done so much she's been his total badass they're, start, they're starting concentration camps just you know basically at the end of the but then but then it's it's world war one and she's in the mm-hmm. she's a central power in the central powers and yeah I know it's like like that, that scene, yeah, that, that World War One, but it kind of shows you how kind of, kind of pointless World War One was, and and then it led to even more, more, more complications, more problems down the road. Yeah, well, Russia, we were... and Germany, the treatment of Germany, and then if you want to get get into the Middle East too, like oh, oh definitely. <laughs> we and we were just talking about this in the news segment. I mean about the people that you're that you're you're, you want to throw in 100 percent with because it sounds like they're on your side and they want like equality and freedom for everybody and then you just find out like oh no they're kind of a piece of shit (laughs) you know like and and, that was yeah kind of at the end there where she's like well you know i guess i'll just go you know help out in europe i'll you know help out in the war effort and that kind of with the pain curse the white feather movement period has just always really pissed me off all these women like oh you're cowards you're cowards like go you could go over and do something like there are things you could do if you're so concerned with cowardice like you don't have to stay here and hand out feathers there's nothing brave in handing out feathers it makes me so angry like well it's just so fucked up because like knowing about how traumatizing world war one was Mm-hmm. And people and got shot for leaving. You get yeah. it was a death sentence if you like said no or you went over there if you volunteered because you were shamed into it and decided you didn't like it. You could get killed. Mm-hmm. Well, because like World War One is crazy. I mean, it's like the you get mustard gas. It's just yeah. it's just it's just like the worst. It's hell. I mean, it, and yeah. and you're yeah. It's yeah. Just to end, I was just like I was just like sewing. Even though they don't really show World War One because it ends like right before kind of in the big, the early stages i'm just like wow you're just like really like you're you're it's just it made me so angry for sure well they paint her at the very beginning they paint these two women as you would expect them to because it, you know it's kind of like oh it's a feminist thing we paint her as like a hero because the amazons kind of see her as the hero and then you end her as this kind of a horrible person because anyone who would do that to other people is kind of a horrible person and your heroes are these you know bodyguards i i think that they also um imply that that she's almost like mind controlled at the end because she has that circle that's on her head from the injections and they really focus on that oh the soma yeah yeah when she when she when she's saying these these terrible things that sound more like von leibenfels than anybody else so so that i think that might be 
a part of it as well, you know, but it sounds at the same time that it's, that's kind of close to history, <laughs> you know, like. She actually did that. So it kind yeah. of yeah, yeah, I looked it up too. Cause I'm like, oh, they just added a supernatural shit. And I'm like, nope, she was, she was all racist. No, she like, actually did that. Yeah. yeah. She didn't need some Soma and some like, <laughs> like going to some creepy murder dungeon. Speaking yeah. of creepy murder dungeon, I think um, I, I really did like Joao Vieira's art. Um, so Tony Wolf, we haven't mentioned this yet. He is actually a, a martial artist. He kind of brought Bartizzi back in the 21st mm-hmm. century. He also did. Did he really? Yeah. He, he kind of brought it because he wrote like a whole instruction book about Bartizzi. That's awesome. Okay, I didn't look that up. I didn't know I that. He, That's no, really honestly, cool. I think I think he, I, I want to read a comic about him, like because he did a lot. He he came up with a lot of the fight choreography styles for um for Lord of the Rings. So I'm thinking like Two Towers, that scene where well, they uh they're up there in Rohan and they have no weapons and mm-hmm. Legolas is doing like the the thing. I'm like that's that's kind of Bartizzi. Yeah, taking out guys with like martial arts. I'm like so I'm like yeah, I can see that. So yeah, so. So the fight choreography is really good, and I think be like, mm-hmm. like the scripting for sure. I bet it was, but then yeah. like Vieira pulls pulls it off really well. Um, just lots of lots of speed lines, lots of just I don't know, just kind of showing the chaos of a street fight. And then he also is really good at like the horror stuff. Once you get to you know issue three, end of mm-hmm. end of issue two, beginning of issue three, yeah, kind of peels the curtain in. Like, hello we're a horror comic <laughs> all of a sudden yeah, i, I really like that awesome. part like i got yeah. into it for the history but then you're like thrown into this i i didn't expect it like i didn't read that first time i i read this i didn't read i guess i thought i read what this was i thought i knew what it was and then it was like hi craziness and it completely blew me away i really enjoyed that part yeah you know that that, that part like i was i was kind of on the fence but then when i got to that part i'm like oh i'm all in and especially once (laughs) throw in like all these like world war two world war one starting because of all these like intellectuals like picasso dh lawrence i don't know too many to name the guy who came up with synesthesia um, all these people getting all these like intellectuals being being assassinated kind of like a ritual sacrifice it just it, that's so much more interesting than like how world war one actually started but it, it just, it's just this kind of big battle between like fascism and then like what they call bohemianism um yep. any kind of social reform it's just like wow it's kind of like what's going on now like <laughs> yeah if you want to make the world a better place for someone besides yourself you're the enemy apparently yeah it's just like they're taking instead of like taking out like your obvious like heads of state they're like they're taking out social reformers like anyone who's trying to make the world a not racist classist fucked up place Shit. and it's just like this is so cool and and there's weird occult stuff too so yeah so <laughs> on, on the weird occult stuff i really liked how they didn't explain it like it just you, you had the imagery images and the and the imagery and and you let that soak in but they weren't like oh this you know that weird body in the middle that's the thing where we're getting this from and so you know they they just let you assume what all these horrors like just like the characters who discover those horrors you know like it's pretty was was a pretty cool way to tell the story right um because they didn't know so it was yeah. just exactly um 
Oh, uh, really quick. I looked up, um, I did a little research on Bartitsu and um, I thought it was interesting that actually Sherlock Holmes yes. is the most famous purveyor yep. of, of that. Yeah. And I thought this was really cool when I was reading through it. It mentions the creator, um, Edward William Barton Wright. And I'm like, why didn't I know that name? And I just realized I just read his name in the comic because he's yeah. literally a character in this comic. Yeah. Actual yeah, guy so yeah, with a mustache and everything, with, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was Did you cool. see one of my favorite things I saw, I didn't see until like my second or third read through was in, in that, um, in the dojo or whatever you want to call it, where they're teaching on the wall, it says um, civil duty with a bunch of hats under it. No, and I then like the la- the second to last panel or whatever, they said, let's do our civil duty or whatever. And they've got, after they fought off those two jerks that were following them, and they've got hats on their umbrellas that they took from those men. Oh, they're like trophies. They're oh, like nice. trophies. They're taking hats. I didn't notice as trophies. that. That's so cool. It's uh, it took me like two or three read throughs to see that, <laughs> but yeah, it was like really funny. Of, they're collecting yeah. hats. Some there's some cool like yeah, there's definitely some cool background details. Like I love just seeing all the newspapers, and and there, there's like lots of full page like you kind of just get you like in the moment. And but it's it's not too it's not too photorealistic, especially during the fight no. scene. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't think it was the first like I, I the first couple of times the first time I read it I didn't think the art was really detailed or anything. But then you do you notice all these little things that aren't they don't stand out, but it's definitely well done. It's well it's it's detailed when it needs to be deep. Like yeah. like Vera knows like okay I'm gonna throw in we're gonna throw in a bunch of cool background details for all the all the uh, I don't know, like early 20th century history nerds out there. Mm-hmm. Like, when they little sh- jokes. <laughs> like when they show like the mass genocide and it, mm. they did a really good job. Like if yeah. that's not photorealistic, <laughs> you know, like, and that's good because we don't need to see all no, of that. that. That was, yeah, that that's kind of, they you turn the page on that. That was like, whew. They almost look like leaves on the ground. And that's, yeah. and at first I thought they were leaves. I'm like, why are they looking at a field? And I'm like, oh crap, those are, those are human bodies. Yeah, because yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I got a lot of vibes like, like you know, like nuclear, like they, they found mm-hmm. some kind of nuclear power, you know, decades before, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, before the Manhattan Project. And it just mm-hmm. showed like, it, it adds more to like the alternate history. Like what if we had access to this power, not in World War II, but in World War One, and it's kind of like a like a nuclear steampunk then right like i was yeah. thinking oh my gosh i just forgot keep going keep going yeah, sorry sure. oh that's all i had was just the the say the, the words <laughs> nuclear steampunk <laughs> um, <laughs> um no um it's just uh i honestly felt like um like you know when i first read read the book i kind of it was one i thought was gonna be four issues so i kind of you know you kind of pace yourself for for the length of a book and um and so when it stopped at three i think it threw me off a little bit and at first i was like oh this is all right but then you know kind of i finished it on thursday and and since then i've been thinking about it and that's always a good sign of good media that if you're thinking about it and um and and i i'm just liking it more and more the more i i i think about the scenes and the moments and the the coloring very very um vibrant colors but vibrant not in a way of bright but just like they pop and i like that a lot you know that's a good like 
uh, flat background colors and yes, yeah, like the production. I think I think uh, definitely shout out to to Boom um, for the Boom Hosan Gonzalez is a colors from Boom and Ed Dukes is a letterer from Boom, and then they also got editorial from Boom. So that I think it definitely um, kind of amped up the professionalism of the the product because I'm like there are a lot of Boom creators. Is this this like? But I'm like they they were they, these creators were working for Boom back then, so it was like kind of good good little collab. Sure. the the purples and pinks um and like the psychedelia of when um when percy's hallucinating as well it's just like it looks like a black light poster and it's just oh that was amazing. that was perfect that was my favorite was part of the whole book and then you throw yeah, in one of the scene. downright creepiest poems of all time goblin mm-hmm. market by christina rossetti just mm. like you just yeah just throw that in there and just if you want to if you want to add the creep level and i mean Go for it, because I was thinking like I think I think I read a Grant, Grant Morrison comic that used that. Um, his Dan Dare used that, and it just made everything unsettling. So it's it's good. More uh, more work so pop culture should use it. I really liked the large white portions in the in the mountains for me. Just that the blankness and the contrast. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like the big avalanche scene was great because because. Because it, it's it's so cool and it's like it was very creative like that 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 having that avalanche made everything made the action much more contained and mm-hmm. like no no gunfights I mean like dudes were shooting crossbows and then you're like why are they shooting crossbows it's 1914 I'm like oh yeah one gunshot will trigger an avalanche right. it and just the, it adds state tension to the, the fight and that just huge gun play. that comes out of the, of the back. I know. That huge the, gun. Yeah. The big that fucking gun. Cool. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. I know. I and think it, I, yeah. It reminds me a lot of like, of like Dirty Dozen and like those like old World War II movies, you know, like that kind of, that kind of style right there. Yeah. Yeah. That gun reminded me, I don't know, like the, like the Doom in the Doom game when they have the BFG. Yes. You find it. I'm like, I, I think I wrote in my notes just like BFG like <laughs> comes out. But that was, that was cool. And, and then, of course, the, the wielder that BFG gets, as I mentioned earlier, it's oh, so ridiculous. Yeah. But, it's uh, basically kicked out of the country that she's living in because she's different. Yeah, it's ridiculous. All right. Uh, racism, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So did, did folks have any, any closing thoughts on suffragette Anything we didn't cover that you guys wanted to bring up? Um, no, uh, actually, I mean, when I was looking up all the, the names of the, of the characters, um, Vernon Vernon uh, Kell, uh, Vernon Walgrave, rather, in the book, um, is actually the, the guy who started the MI5, so... Yeah, the, it wasn't his nickname K, so it's very... Yeah, very James Bond. It's on James Bond, yeah. Exactly, so that, I thought that was pretty cool. Also, um, I like... Mary Poppins, and so during a lot of the the suffragette parts of the of the book, I was singing Sister Suffragette to myself. That's well, really fucking cute, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. That's pretty adorable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually, actually I did have one quick kind of critique of the book. I definitely think that maybe it, as Brian said, like he thought it was going to be a forward. I think it maybe could have used an an issue to kind of space things out, add more color to the character. I agree. Yeah. But, but it's it's I mean it's it's very like the storytelling is very dense like lots of lots of plot lots of I mean it's no 
no decompression in this 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 mother i mean like so yeah. so definitely like you get a full meal and i, I mean i kind of wish there were sequels but but you get a but it like and i think it ends at like right the the right time um just like the, the one of the most craziest world changing times in history so were you saying that this is that? part of um of a full a different a world that oh yeah uh, oh yeah i forgot to bring that, that up so um, you, Neil Stevenson, he's he's a big time cyberpunk writer. He did uh, Cryptonomicon and uh, The Diamond Age. He's done a lot of books. He um, so back in I think around like the 2010s, he had this uh, shared universe called uh, Four World Saga, and it's centered around it's like a alternate history, and it's actually centered around Genghis Khan and Genghis Khan's son. But he also allowed other writers to kind of play in the sandbox, this alternate history sandbox. So not just, he, he mostly focused on the, the Renaissance, medieval re, uh, Renaissance side of things. Um, so yeah, this is a official four world side quest. So it's, so there's like a bunch of other, um, yeah, like a bunch of other alternate um, history stuff. So it's kind of cool. So it's like, yeah. So it's like you're reading this, you're like, ooh, like there has to be some other stuff going on. And then you literally look it up and it's <laughs> part of a part. There's like other, like the, even the writer of this book, Tony Wolf, has done some other stories in it. It's like part of this huge, like epic alternate history. I Neil did Stevenson not know that. Thing. And it's like, whoa, this is so cool. And it's comics and prose. And I think, uh, yeah, comics and prose. And then there's also, there's also fan fiction. Please tell me there's a board game. Of course, I there's love, fan I would love it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it ever. And it was, and a lot of the stories, and the the got like a lot of the stories were centered around like they Stevenson would get actual like practitioners practitioners of martial arts and sword combats to hype up the action scenes more. So that's rad. That's really cool. So it's this whole alternate history based around combat. It's cool, um, for sure, really and cool. it's a cool experiment. And yeah, unfortunately, there weren't any games or movies or anything out of it but it's kind of cool and and, and, I'm like, and i'm like yeah this totally makes sense like this there's there's some crazy crazy stuff has happened in, in this world that it's different from our um our history so which is like one of the fun the fun fun parts of alternate history all those little pockets and yes um, i agree yeah definitely little things you can play with yeah but i i feel like like uh like for the most part suffragette stays focused but you know, if you want to see other, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, when I read it, I love it, and then I'm like, is it the best thing ever? I don't know, but then I can never really forget about it, so it's, I don't, it's one of those comics. It's not, like I said at the beginning, it's not the best comic ever. I have problems sometimes recommending it to people, because it is kind of weird, and it's not perfect, and it's, you know, I have problems sometimes throwing things at people that have kind of active racism in them, but it's interesting and it makes you think about what if things were different and what if things happened this way and what if there were active, like, I don't know, creepy, weird people in castles that actually <laughs> had access to supernatural bullcrap. Yeah. But it's one of those things you don't really forget about. And right. so it's, it's interesting. Not yeah, I would recommend it. Very weird, but definitely interesting. Yeah, I'd recommend it for anyone who, if you're into alternate history at all, like, yeah. give it a shot. Alternate Al- history, or like, if you're into like Hellboy, like definitely. I would say uh, yeah. exactly what I was gonna say. Is like, if you're a Hellboy fan, um, I would definitely check this out. 
if you you know if you wish her your your Hellboy had a little little more history and a little less um, demon oh stuff, but <laughs> a little less punching. Yeah, but <laughs> well, there was a lot oh, of, punching. Lots of punching. Yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> oh yeah, and also if you if you if you like if you like good action, definitely check it out. Like yeah, a unique definitely. unique action because yeah, I mean you, you like learn a lot women of hitting people with batons yeah oh yeah and if you want to see cops getting beat up this is definitely yeah oh yeah definitely that's, that's actually definitely. that's actually where i'm like i'm like at first i'm like oh this is so it's, it's kind of i thought it was just gonna be kind of like a dry documentary kind of thing but then they start beating the shit out of some cops and i'm like okay i'm in like, and, then, and, then, and then once and then once they like the pan- pancreas gets assassinated and it goes full alternate history i'm like oh man oh man that's that's my thought process with the book so, yeah so that is um that's suffragette like definitely it's on comiXology came out a few years ago but definitely pick it up um, for sure if you're a hellboy alternate history action fan so we are going to wrap up this episode with our looking forward segment so brian what are you looking forward to this week in independent comics um from image uh we have inkblot number one um, written by Emma Kubert um, and Rusty Glad, as well as art by both of them as well. Um, I'm sure you all know the name Kubert, and that is the um, um, she is actually the third generation of the prolific um, artist family, uh, the Kuberts, Joe and and I'm forgetting the two sons' names right now. <laughs> Andy and Adam Kubert. Andy, Andy Adam, Adam, thank you. <laughs> And so I actually knew a name. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So um yeah, and this is def but by looking at the art and looking at the story, which I'll get into in just a second here, it doesn't seem like nepotism. It's she this is definitely deserved, it looks like. And um basically um I like I'm a sucker fantasy. I'm also a sucker for magical animals. And so <laughs> this is a story about a strong but basically about a powerful sorceress who accidentally imbues their cat with um, magical powers. And since it's a cat and it acts like a cat, it threatens the entire existence of the universe because it's a magical cat. <laughs> I'm so on board with this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and, and like I was, I was kind of looking forward to the, the, the plots of the next few issues and it seems like the cat goes on journeys and meets other magical creatures and either recruits them or or has confrontations with them so it just sounds like a lot of fun that's awesome it's definitely like I, i've looked at a early copy of it and it's definitely like a, a go for broke everything but the kitchen sink fantasy epic so and you might as well do that and that's i think that's one great thing about image comics is you can pretty much it's it's creator owned you can just Tell your story, do your thing, and uh, yeah. So, and I guess her thing is cats and fantasy epics, which are pretty awesome. It should be everybody's thing. Yeah, <laughs> it should be everybody's thing. So, uh, Darcy, what are you looking forward to this week in independent comics? Uh, Lonely Receiver by Zach Thompson and Jen Hickman. It's an aftershock comic. Uh, n- issue number one comes out this week. I think this week, next week, this week, this week, um, it is a weird comic science fiction, uh, horror, I would say science fiction horror, I think to me, it's pretty horrific. Uh, it's about this woman whose, uh, girlfriend wife leaves her, 
uh, fiance, I can't remember. Uh, and she is super distraught about it and decides to hook up to an AI system that basically makes her a wife. Huh. Uh, and so it's hmm. kind of like uh, she gets this implant into her eyeball essentially. And so she gets this full link up to this created uh, uh, it's biological false human cyborg thing. Wow. And she falls in love with it because it's hers. Um, they have this neural link that allows them to go when she says this couplet, they go to this kind of mental place and kind of have this orgasmic kind of thing that happens. But because, you know, her new created wife is a cyborg and way above her and needs its own, her own time, her own time, I think she identifies female. Um, she kind of rises above and wants more things and the human feels ownership, like really severe ownership and does not like that this thing that she had created for her is going out and doing other things and not being hers 24 seven. Like hmm. the main character is kind of a terrible person. Nice. <laughs> and it's really interesting because uh, like when I kind of read the first blurb, I was like, is this kind of like a human androidy cyborg i always get those two mixed up love story and then i was kind of looking a little bit more into it and i'm like oh no this is definitely kind of sci-fi horror great because the main character is horrific and so <laughs> so far it looks like it's going to be interesting and right up my alley and i think i'm going to like it yeah oh yeah and jenny hickman's an awesome artist love yes. their work on uh oh on yeah the art's great sex. yeah and uh yeah, I know, like, that stuff with the, like, I don't know, like, seeing all the stuff in, about, like, Elon Musk in the news and, like, having, like, like, streaming music to your, straight to your brain. Oh, the brain thing? The Neuralink or whatever? And oh, no, no, no. I mean, People are so stupid. I'm no. like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he's gonna, I mean, he can barely, you know, he can barely have rockets go into space. He can barely No, he can't a make car. a submarine that'll get into the yeah no i have a car that drives yeah, yeah. i don't i don't I, yeah, but it's just like it's just like in the past i've been like so cool but now i'm just like ooh, creepy creepy shit mm -hmm. yeah. he is a real life uh um villain oh, I was gonna, <laughs> oh man i first thought you were gonna say he was a real life tony stark and i'm just gonna like oh, no. no 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 real life tony stark. people say people say that sometimes and i'm just like i hate no. it no He's definitely no. not. No, Tony and Stark people people said like Tony Stark was based on Elon Musk. I'm like, no, dude, he was based on Howard fucking Hughes in the 1960s. Yeah. yeah. Read a Wikipedia article. Okay. Immoral Tony Stark, maybe for for sure. Elon Musk. And that. Don't well. don't even. Not even amoral Tony Stark. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't even. Stuff. All right, let's let's move to more pop. So my my what I'm looking forward to this week is. Well, I do want to read Lonely Receiver as well. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it you sounds should. really good. It sounds really good. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Is uh, yeah, yeah, and then the art just the Hickman's art just immediately s stood out to me. Like I didn't even know the premise of the book, but I'm just like, I want to see more of their work. So my, but this one, it, um, 
So my, my uh, what I'm looking forward to this week, I think a lot of people are looking forward to this week is Al Ewing and Simone DeMeo's created our own book for Boom. We only find them when they're dead. And it's basically explorers looking at harvesting the corpses of alien space gods. Like cool. basically, so yeah, Al Ewing is probably, probably Marvel's best writer of the past few years or definitely most consistent writer. I mean, he got me interested. The Hulk is one of my least favorite characters and he got me interested in the Hulk. Yes. And he's, I don't know, he's just, he's really awesome. He, he's, he, he just go, has go for, go for broke concepts um, with the different superhero teams. But so it's nice to see him get to do his own space opera, his own like Kirby-esque space opera, gods in space, explorers, a little bit of horror. I'm just like, I'm excited. So yeah, he's, his stuff for 2000 AD is technically creator own, but it's nice to see him get to do that. Um, get away from the, the sandbox for a little while and, and kind of play in his own world. So I'm, I'm, I'm really hyped up for this book. I think a lot of people, I think it'll be a, it'll be a huge hit for Boom. It'll be like, um, like Once in Future was, because I think Ewing has a built-in audience, kind of like Karen Gillan, and people will just enjoy it. So I'm excited. I don't really know much about DeMeo as an artist, but yeah, I'm, I'm you know, that's, that, that, that's, that's okay. You know, I love, I love learning about new artists. So mm-hmm. let's do Sounds that. Sounds interesting, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of, well, some people are like, oh, this is him, him doing a Fantastic Four with the uh, show numbers file off. I'm like, okay, I could see that, but it's cool. It's, it's just space gods are, and also space gods are just awesome. Like, yeah. I'm excited. Like, I know this is an indie podcast, but I'm really excited for the Eternals, Kieran Gillen, mm-hmm. Asad Ribich Eternals. So, like, I love just space, gods, death, good shit. Very good shit. Very yes. good way to end this podcast, too. So, um, let's, uh, Brian, where can folks find you online? Um, well, uh, you can find me on Instagram at uh, Brian underscore CB, uh, B R A I J I N. And um, the um, Twitters is uh, Brian, sorry, I don't know why I said that, uh, Brian2814, um, just like the, the sector, galaxy sector. And um, also, um, actually, that's it for now. <laughs> and Darcy, where can folks find you online? I'm on Twitter at books underscore serial, and I have a website at um, booksandserial.wordpress.com where I talk about books and old-time radio serials. This week we're going to discuss the super famous, super popular, super long-running suspense. Cool. And you can find me at Midnighter Bay, B-A-E, on Twitter. Am I writing a graphic policy? I am currently in the process of working of on an advanced review of the impending blindness of Billy Scott. And it's, it's really good. Um, I think we mentioned on an earlier show. Yes. Um, Zoe Thorogood is like, honestly, one of the greatest like up and coming cartoonists. So watch out for her for sure. Um, Brad. Yeah. And you can find, uh, you can find the podcast comics is better on Spotify, iTunes, all your podcatchers, just type in comics is better in your favorite podcatcher and subscribe, like subscribe, leave reviews, even negative reviews, just leave a review for sure. Tell us how we're doing. Yeah. And how we can improve. 
And if you want to give more personalized feedback, we uh, have an email, better at gmail.com. If you send us an email, we will read it on the show and react to it on the show. And also follow us on Twitter at CDBpod. And also we have a website, comicsdeservebetter.wordpress.com. So, yeah. And there are a lot of great comics out this week. Go pick you one out. Enjoy it. All right. Read, damn it. <laughs>